Rooted uh, is a big deal around here, and if you have not done Rooted, you should. You should. In September, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a bunch of Rooted groups going, and it'll be fantastic, and it's a great way to get plugged in. Um, we also, uh, Rooted is a part of a few things that we do here. We have, we gather like this on Sundays. If you can imagine, kind of we, we have this structure, it's a simple loop, right? So it's a loop because it just keeps on going. The, the three things that we focus on. We gather here on Sundays, we celebrate, we remind each other that God is good, that his truth matters and is relevant still to us today. And we do what we do here. We also uh, get into groups together. So there's the gathering, there's the grouping, and we get into groups via this tool of Rooted. It's the first 10 weeks of, of the experience. And it orientates you to who we are as followers of Jesus, who we are as a community here at this church, and what, we're gonna, what we plan to do in the community, and you get to build relationships. Then from there, we go out. So we go out, we, do, we serve here on Sundays, but we also go out and serve in Huntington Beach and around the world. Hillary and I just, and Monica just got back from Mexico yesterday, and uh, that was awesome. We got to be with our partners that are there. So you have opportunities to serve and to make this world a better place and bring God's goodness and his hope and his grace into the world around us. So those are the things that we do. Now, in addition to that, sometimes we have people that come up to us and they're like, hey, well, I, I'm, I'm in, I've done Rooted, I'm in a life group, and I just had this passion for this, you know? And I say, fantastic, okay, you get to do it, you get to lead it, right? So, so we have different expressions, different people doing different things, you'll hear about those, see those at different times. Um, we have a focus um, of men that get together. So we have a men's ministry that meets on Friday mornings, they play some basketball, I think, like Thursday nights, There's, and they'll have other things that are happening too. We also have women's ministry kind of focus that is getting like into a whole new gear in the fall. And I wanted to introduce you to Barb Egbert, who's going to spearhead and, and, and oversee this women's ministry. There are already uh, a number of you fantastic women who are doing great things. I've asked Barb to be like air traffic control. Right, And so there's a person that you can go to that kind of knows everything and can put you in the right spot, and she can give wisdom and leadership and oversight to the whole. And so I wanted to introduce you to Barb. Would you just say hi and welcome her? Hello, everyone. Welcome. Um, We have... We don't want to give you more to do. So when Caleb and I talk about this, no one wants more to do. So the idea with women's ministry is just to give you opportunities as women in four different categories. And one is connect, to grow, to pray, and to go. So connect, grow, pray, and go. So all of our activities, events are filtered through that focus on what is it that would help us to connect with each other, God and community, what can help us to grow God um, in his truth, and then also to pray together, again, connecting to God and community, and then we have go, which is a serve. So our first connect event is tomorrow night for you women. We'll invite you all to attend, and we'll give you a little bit more oversight on what the purpose is, what the vision is, and then also we have our schedule cards that are coming out. This is our fall schedule already released. We already have connect events. We have our save the date for Christmas brunch. We have prayer gatherings once a month, and we have our serve. We're about ready to launch once a month. So again, it's not more to do. It's how that we can support the local church and the body of Christ. So hope that we see you um, tomorrow night, and please visit us out on the table. We have... Information on our Bible studies. We have a couple Bible studies we're launching as well. And grab a calendar and um, send us your name so we can keep you in the loop. Thanks. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you, Bob. That's a nice, like, fancy calendar she put together, too. If you are a female, you should probably get one of those. And you should introduce yourself to Barb because she's generally great. The quality of your life when she... 
when, she, when you get to know her and she introduces you to other great women, you'll be like, your life will have gone from like here to here. And then, and then you know, your boyfriend or husband will be happier. Everything will just be better. So uh, just say, say hi to Barb. Make sure you're getting plugged in in some way to this community. We want to give you ways to just be a part and be here. Uh, and this is one. So we are continuing in this series. We are almost done with this series on the Bible. Now, uh, it doesn't mean we're not going to read from the Bible anymore. It just means that we've been kind of systematically going through some major stories from Scripture uh, over the summer. And we, ha- we have one more next week, and then we launch into a new series that I will tell you about later. Uh, but for today, we've been moving through this, you know, when Jesus walked the face of the earth and just how he was the most famous human ever to live. He was also, parentheses, God and human and this, you know, mysterious mix, God in skin. And he came and he died on the cross and paid for all of our guilt and sin and everything. We've talked about that. These past messages are online if you still need to listen to them. And then he did not stay dead on the cross. He did not stay dead in a tomb somewhere. He actually came back to life. And so we celebrate the resurrection, not just on Easter, but the resurrection of new life all the time and in all kinds of different ways. And we talked last week about how you can see hints of resurrection and new life in so many different ways if you're looking for it. And then today, we're talking about how the fact that Jesus not only rose from the dead, but before he ascended into heaven to go back. I mean, just kind of one of those like, you know, Jesus out and then just is up there somewhere <laughs> moments that's crazy, right? But before he did that, he told his disciples, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you a spirit, my own spirit to be with you and to be in you. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, I want you to know that I realize that this can be a little bit of a dicey subject because when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you come in with different experiences and you come in with questions and you come in, uh, some of you are like, it's about time we get some spirit up in here, you know, and, and I get that. And, I, and then some of you are like, oh no, this isn't one of those weird places, is it? Like you guys are going to get, you know, you're going to wave flags and you're going to do crazy stuff down the aisles and you're going to get... Whatever in your mind have been experiences that for you have been strange or different or, or some of us have even experienced some kind of like spiritual abuse and you, you lump the spirit in with that kind of a thing because of an experience that you had. And I want to make really clear, the spirit of God is not weird. Now, people have done crazy things that maybe are out, they, they take it too far and abuse things and, and, and have a, had a ne- negative impact on us or on others, and that is very real. But the Spirit himself is, is very important to who you are designed to be, that you understand what we're talking about today. That there is a God, and he is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, and they are one. And your relationship to the Holy Spirit is going to have everything to do with your life from here forward, and for many of you already. And, and so this is an important thing, and, I, and I, uh, I want you to put aside maybe things that you've thought before or, or, or concerns or issues that you've had, and just let God speak and see what he says to you today. So when Jesus, before he, before he did his thing, and all of a sudden he's gone, he told his disciples in John 15, we're going to be going to John 14, if you want to just go there, if you have Bibles, phones, iPads, whatever, you can. Verses will be on the screen, so don't panic if you don't. But in John 15, he says to his disciples, hey, this is kind of like a secret of the universe moment. You ready? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
A branch, he's looking at like an olive tree, a branch can't bear fruit unless it remains connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit. Neither can you live an abundant life. Neither can you live the life that you that I intend for you to live, life to the full. You can't unless you remain connected to me. But his disciples were really confused because he had just told them, Jesus had just told them that he was going to be leaving and going to the Father. So they're like, wait, 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 wait what? You're, you're going where we can't go yet, and yet you're telling us to remain in you and to remain connected to you. And so they didn't get it until much later. And then they remembered a conversation that Jesus had had with them in John 14. And it says this in verse 9, Anyone who has seen the Father, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, this is going to be ramping up to something, okay? We're going to power through a little bit of Scripture, and I'm going to tell you we're going to get to the part where I really want you to sit with this and get this, okay? But this is important for context. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus is saying, has seen the Father. So how then can you say, show us the Father? He's talking to his disciples and some other people that follow him. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. I'm not just operating on my own. It's actually the Father in me doing his work. That's how this is getting done. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence, the proof, the fruit, the works themselves. So he's saying, guys, you still don't get it. Like, we've been hanging out for a long time, like three years, and we've been doing our thing, and you've seen all kinds of crazy miracles, and you've heard me teach all the time, and we've had some great bonding moments together around campfires, and we've done, we've done all kinds of good stuff. And you're still looking at me, and you're saying, okay, oh, now, now, now show us the Father. Jesus is like, what? Do you, you don't understand what's been happening here. I'm God, and if you see me, if you see how I do things, if you see how I show love, if you see my sacrifice, my compassion, my miracles, you're seeing God in action. We are one. And this is one of the ways that we get this idea of, of God being Father, Son, and Spirit in one, and yet kind of expressing himself in different ways. He's saying, we, we're, we're one. You see what I'm doing? This is the Father. Yeah, 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 but we've heard about this God that we just kind of carried around like the tabernacle and he was like in front of us in a pillar and fire and, and, and we didn't, you know, he parted the Red Sea like, and, and we couldn't even go near like, or we had to do all the ceremonial cleansing. Like, but you, we just hang out with you. You kind of like smell bad at the end of the day like we do. You're, like, you're a guy, you know? You're just, we eat and, and we play games with you. Like, but this, this was like a scary God, you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. We're the same. This is, this is it. Like, what you've been seeing me do, that is God. This is, this is me. I, we are one. I am in him, and he is in me. Verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So real quick, he just says, hey, you're going to continue the ministry even though I'm going away. And some people get confused by this, and they look at this, and they're like, but wait, how are we going to do greater works than Jesus has been doing? Like, please, really? I mean, you've been you know, healing the blind, the sick, the lame. You've been you know, turning feeding thousands out of a little bit of bread and a fish, you know? I mean, how are we going to do greater things than that? And he's not saying greater in terms of significance. He's saying greater in terms of the scope. 
So you will be doing greater things because up to this point, me, God, Jesus in flesh has been confined to this body. I can only be in one place at one time right now, right? I, can, I have to choose after lunch if, or after church if I'm going to lunch at Chipotle or Freebirds, right? I mean, I can only choose one and uh, it's going to be you know, one or the I can only be in one place at one time, but soon... But soon I'm going to be sending my spirit who will be in you and you can go all over the place. So you will do greater things than me in terms of scope because you will be able to go all over and my spirit will be still in you working. Let's skip to verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. How long are you going to be in your bodies? Some years? I mean, maybe just a few more days. You don't know. But it could be years, right? And then it's going to come to an end. How long will you have this spirit that he's promising? Forever, right? And he calls him an advocate. We translate this word in Greek to mean paraclete, which is like a legal word that means he will be your advocate like in a court setting. He will go to bat for you. He will help you. He will, he will be in it with you. That's the kind of spirit that I'm leaving you. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your spirit advocate, he's, gonna, he's coming. This is, this is wild. And then here we go. Here's, here's kind of the, the payoff. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. Notice he's referring to him as a him. This is, a per, this is God. This is a person. This is not an it like, may the force be with you. May, you know? This is like a him. This is a someone. This is, this is God. And the world doesn't get it. They, they don't get it. It's, it's, it is crazy to the world. But you will know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you on your own. Have you ever been in an environment, maybe it's here, you came here to church for the first time, you instantly just felt like, oh, I belong here. These are, these are family. This is, these are people to me. There's something about God's spirit that unites, that makes us all feel like a collective family. And it's not just us. It's, you know, millions and billions of people. I will not leave you as orphans. I will, I will send this advocate on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. He's saying, so here's how it's going to work. I am in my Father, and he is in me. We're connected like that. And the same way that we're connected, we're going to be connected, you and me, through this advocate through this spirit that I'm sending to come and to help you. That's how this is going to work. And I think that we, it's easy for us, if you've been around the church a long time, if you grew up hearing this kind of stuff or reading your Bible and knowing things, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, 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 I, I, you know, I get that. There's, there's a Holy Spirit and, and this is, you know, three parts and yeah, that's, that's great. I get and we miss out on the magnitude of this reality that Jesus didn't leave us here alone, that he was here and he showed us the, the, the closeness, the nearness, the realness of God. And then he went and he sent back his own spirit to be with us and in us. His spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same spirit that led him and spoke to him, the same spirit that he communicated with constantly, the same spirit that gave him the power 
to work in this world. And the same spirit that has been moving his people ever since. The same spirit that filled up those disciples that were just regular, you know, kind of dumb guys, you know, that even Peter, like, denying he even knew Jesus on his way to the cross. These disciples that were just regular, and then all of a sudden they change the world. How? Read some, you know, World Change for Dummies books? No. His spirit in them. Now, there's different illustrations that I could show you, and I was thinking about it, and they all fail uh, to do justice. I, we were even talking this week about one of the uh, summer interns named Jonathan was telling me about um, uh, babushka dolls. Are you, is this, you know this? Like, they're Russian, and I, I think I'm saying that right. And you, like, take them apart, and there's, like, a doll inside of a doll inside of a doll inside of a doll, like this magic doll thing. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But it still doesn't capture the magnitude of what, that, that God says that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and that you, that you are in me, and I am putting my spirit in you. I thought about me and baby Jack, and Jack, you know, has my DNA, and that doesn't even begin to capture it either. There is a living spirit of the God who created all things. And when you say yes, when you enter in a relationship with Jesus, he puts his spirit in you. That is crazy in a good way. <laughs> I want to show you another image of uh, the, what the disciples were kind of thinking as this is going on. This is a picture of kind of a sketch of the temple. Now, if you don't go to the eye doctor later, it's blurry. It's not great. It's just, you know, that's what it is. So this whole thing is the temple. And you have, you have here, when you enter into the temple, this is the court of Gentiles. And so this is the place where anyone could go. So even if you, it was Jews and Gentiles, if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And so anyone could go in this place. And this was the Jews' way of saying, yeah, you know, we're kind of exclusive, but we want to be inclusive. You can come. We want you to be a part. We want to kind of tell about God's goodness and his grace. And you can come this far. And so that was the Gentile court. And then up here you have the court of women. Uh, don't get mad at me. It was a different day. It was a different place. And they, different, you know, social thing. And so they had a place. This was, on the right there was the only place that, that's the furthest that the women could go in that time. So they could go to the temple. They could go through the court of the Gentiles. And then they had that gathering place. And that was as far as women could go. Men could go a little bit further up those steps, kind of the rounded out step there. And they had to stop there. Unless you were a priest, then you could go further into the court of priests. And then there's a holy place and a most holy place. And only like the purest priest, after they go through all these kinds of purifications, could get in there. And then there was one priest that could go to the most holy one time a year. And it wasn't even that simple. He had to do a hundred purifications to go into the most holy place where it was believed God's presence rested. And this one priest, on one day of the year, after his 100 purifications, still had to be tied with a rope that came all the way out with bells on his, on his tassels and on his, on his clothing so that if he was found impure and fell over dead, they would hear the bells stop ringing and they could pull him out. It's a thing. It's real. Like That, that, that happened, and they made them do that. Because it was so scary, it was so, it, was so, it was so glorious, the reality that God's presence would be here with us in this place. We have to treat this with the utmost, uh, uh, utmost you know, respect and awe. And we have to be so careful. 
And so look at the different layers before you could get to where God's presence was supposed to be. So imagine the disciples. What? Like we, we hang out mostly in the court of women and for obvious reasons. And then we, you know, take a few steps <laughs> up the steps. And that's as far as we can go. You're saying that not only have you been hanging out with us, but that you are going to put your presence in us? This presence that no one is good enough and worthy enough and pure enough to get anywhere close to? And you're going to put it in us? And you're saying that we're in with you and that we're kind of united like you and the Father and, and that's, that's a part of our story now? That the God of the universe cares that much, loves us that much? That he is with us, leading us, living from here out? Accessible? I remember when... Uh, after college, I went and worked at Saddleback Church, and it was because there was a guy, there was an executive pastor, and he had worked for my dad previously on Young Life staff, and he invited me to come and to work there, and so I did, and I was there for several years, and I was, I was a punk kid. I was a 22, 23, and I thought, you know, this is, this is kind of cool because Rick Warren is like the best-selling author in the history of the world, and this book did really well, and, and he's smart, and lots of people come to his church and do things, and so he's... He's there, and this is, you know, Rick Warren in my mind, and he, you know, kind of impressive, and I'm this punk kid who wants to be cool and, and think, have Rick Warren think that I'm cool. And so he, he would have these kind of uh, special conference room meetings, you know, the special conference room meetings that people like me were not invited to. And so it would be like in the corporate arena, all the chief, everyone with a C by their name, like they're in that meeting. And you walk by the windows and you see the, you know, the important people. Just imagine kind of your job, your life, whatever. The, the higher-ups, the decision makers, they're in the conference room that I can't go in. I, like, even, if I, even if I had a conference, uh, even if I had a meeting and invited people, and then said, let's imagine that people would come, I couldn't have it in there. Like that was the conference room that I couldn't go in. And I wondered when I walked past, just kind of like slowly seeing if there were any kind of like echoes of, of decisions being made, of conversations being had, of the genius that was inevitably kind of pouring out of that room. If I could just, if I could just get close to that, if I could just be invited in and part of that, then maybe Rick would see my genius and invite me over to his house and say, I never knew, you know, you, you should be leading this church at 22, you know. I just wanted to be in there with him, with them, the decision makers. Until this started to really kind of sink into my soul, until I began to see that I already can meet with the God of the universe who not only gives those kind of, you know, Rick and those guys their ideas, but he made them created them, designed them, and I can meet with that God and hear from that same God all the time. Because just like Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him, so his spirit is in me. Now, I know that, uh, you know, some of you are still like, yeah, but... Um, I still have some issues. Like, I know, like, I, I, 
I receive, I, I believe this, or maybe you're here for the first time, and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> There's a cross and a spirit and what? But maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, the, I, the, the Jesus thing, and, and I believe that his spirit, I believe that, but how come I'm still messed up? How come I still have these nagging issues? Or how come I've, I've seen this whole idea gone badly? I've seen people misuse this, or I've seen people do negative things and say that, you know, they're Christians or that they are operating on behalf of God's spirit. Remember, the spirit is not bad. The spirit isn't crazy, but people do weird things. I, I had a weird thing happen to me um, when I was, I went to a conference and I went to this conference and it was, uh, there was a guy there who was from the power team. This is like years ago, there was this cool thing called the power team and these guys were like big and strong and they would, like, tear things with their hands, like phone books and, like, bend bars and, like, break, you know. I mean, think of, like, Karate Kid Dojo up on steroids, kind of like they, they're running through fire and they're doing all this kind of stuff. You, you didn't miss anything, really. I, I can see, like, the, the blank looks on your face. But anyway, when I was a kid, I thought that they were cool. And so I'm a teenager and I show up at this event and one of the power team guys is there. And he's massive. He's huge. He's buff. He's, you know impressive. And he's doing this thing. And we, we, we found out that, you know, we both, he went to USC. I was at USC. And, and he was like, oh, you got to come. I'm leading this prayer meeting. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I was like, um, I think so. Like, I love Jesus, right? And he's like, whoa, whoa, you, well, do you speak in tongues? And I was like, not that I know of. I, I'm not sure that I, and so he's like, well, then you got to come to this thing and I'm doing it. And so I show up, it's early in the morning and and we're there, and he starts, there's a line of us, and he starts praying for people that they would start to speak in tongues. He comes to me, and he says, are you speaking in tongues yet? I'm like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm so, don't want to disappoint you. You're big, you know, and, <laughs> but it's not, it's not happening. It's not happening for me. And he goes, well, just keep praying. And he goes back, and he prays for some more people, and he comes, and he goes, all right, speak in tongues. I'm like, oh, ah, I got nothing. You know, I got, I got nothing. And he goes, he goes, just move your lips. Just mumble some things. And so I just kind of went, blah, blah, And he goes, oh, hallelujah. And he walked away. And I was like. Like, you know, I was just mumbling some things like you said, right? Like, I, I did that. And. And so I just turned and walked away and walked out of there and chalked that one up to another weird experience. But, <laughs> but here's, but here's the reality. Don't miss this. Here's the reality is that speaking in tongues and some other ways that God's spirit is, is expressed is totally legitimate. But some people do it in weird ways and in bad ways. And some people kind of impose things. And if you don't do it this way or at this time or in this way, they have kind of weird ideas about it that they impose. And like everything, like we do, like humans mess things up. God and his spirit is not weird. We make it weird. And his spirit is so real and so critical to us connecting and staying connected to our God that you cannot let a bad experience, a weird experience, or someone else that you don't trust that has done weird things in the name of whatever to to keep you from connecting with this spirit. That is what he wants for you, is connection. That is what he wants, is to be in you and you in him, like Jesus and the Father. And so it doesn't have to look like all this kind of 
what you might associate as crazy or extravagant things. I'll tell you very simply what God says that a connection to his spirit should look like. Galatians 5 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace or forbearance, or peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you want to know what it looks like when, when, the, when God's spirit is at work in someone's life, these things are playing out. And so what we do as Americans oftentimes is be like, okay, love, check. I need some love. Self-control, check. I need, I, okay, I need, uh, I need to have these fruits evident in my life. And so we try to grit our teeth and we try to make them happen. It's like, uh, fruit, fruit me, you know, like, go do this. And we try to make this happen on our own. But look, this, just, just a little tweak of the word that actually what this verse is saying, I show, uh, let me show you a new, another translation of it. But, when, but the Spirit produces, notice those words, but the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience. It's Him who is doing the work of producing. So what's, what's, your, what's your role? Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So our role, in part, is killing the selfish things that prevent God from doing the fruit things killing the stuff that's just our own agenda so that he can produce the fruit that he wants in our life. And then verse 25, we enable this relationship to be just like a relationship and walk. In verse 25, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That you can have a walk and talk kind of relationship with the God of the universe because of exactly what we're talking about. That he didn't stay in a temple, that he didn't stay out here, that when he came as a, as a man, he did not stay on a cross or in a tomb, but he put his spirit in you and in me that we could walk with him, talk with him, and become more like him as his spirit produces that kind of fruit, the God of the universe in you. What more important relationship do you have? What, what, what else? Who else would you be rather connecting with about the issues going on in your world? What other priorities come before connecting with the God who designed you and created all things and allowing him to produce his fruit in us? Yesterday, I told you I was coming back from Mexico. We were sitting at the border, and sometimes I have found that when I am allowing God or trying to, wanting to allow God to create that fruit to make me more like him, he puts me in situations that are like kind of the exact opposite of the thing that he's trying to produce. So like maybe he's producing patience in your life and he, you know, reminds you of that at the DMV, for example. You know, you might, or for me, it was at this border stop on the way trying to get back from Mexico in the United States for two hours, Okay. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, but we're just, we're doing this good stuff. And now my mind's already going, okay, how long have we been here? An hour? Um, what should I be doing right now? Like, I, I'm, I'm behind on this, this, and this. Or I have these other things to do. Or, or what if I, I'm, I'm, I need to really be doing this. And, oh, I'm kind of important, right? Like, my time is valuable. Like, I should be doing this, this, and this. And, and here I am sitting at the, or killing that self-talk, that self-stuff, and letting him produce patience or whatever the thing is, self-control, which was tough for me yesterday when they're walking back and forth with churros. I'm just being honest. I I failed that opportunity. 
yesterday. Uh, Hillary, you know, I, I've talked about Hillary. Um, that's my wife, for those of you who are new. And uh, she lost her mom to pancreatic cancer a number of years ago. Um, her grandmother is still alive. She's in her late 80s, and she lives up in Gig Harbor, Washington. And she is a, a fantastic, fantastic woman. And it's really interesting, um, after Kimmy passed away, Pat, Kimmy's mom, Hillary's grandmother, uh, started noticing hummingbirds. Kind of right, right after Kimmy's death, she started noticing hummingbirds. And she noticed that they would come to kind of her, her kitchen window. And so she put a, a bird feeder out there. And she noticed a hummingbird on her patio, and so she put a bird feeder out there. And then she has this garden, and she noticed hummingbirds coming and visiting her in her garden. So she put bird feeders out there, believing that maybe this was God saying, you know, Kimmy's still with you in some kind of a way. Now, it's not biblical. I'm not saying that that's real or that's true. I'm just saying that this precious woman now... Everywhere she goes, she's looking for hummingbirds. And it's like, I'm walking, and there's a hummingbird. I'm, I'm talking with some women. Stop, it's a hummingbird. You know, God is talk, getting my attention. He's talking to me. In, in some way, like this, the memory, the connection to Kimmy is associated with that. She's such, a, she's such a wonderful woman. But as I thought about that, I thought, man, but for me, what if instead of looking for hummingbirds or for a connection to some, you know, some person that I have lost, I realize that all the time, everywhere, there are opportunities to see and notice and connect with the God who made that person that I miss. The God who is with them now. The God who is in me now. And what if instead of hummingbirds or whatever else that we obsess about, you began to look for him and listen to him and interact with him and walk in step with him? What if, as soon as you got into the car, instead of turning on the radio as your default, you pause and you say, God, since you're here, do you want to say anything? What if, before you eat, instead of just throwing out that generic prayer, you actually pause and you think, how can I, how can I participate in what you're doing today? And how can I appropriately express the fact that I'm grateful that you provide food for me again? and everything that you provided for me today. How, what if, when you lie down for bed, instead of just grabbing your phone and checking your social media and, and, and all the social things that are so important, we, you pause and think, oh yeah, I can chat with, I can post on, the, on his wall. I can talk to the God of the universe right now. And I can allow him to continue to lead my life from the inside out? What if when you're at work, instead of making sure that you're up on the latest gossip, you keep in step with God's spirit that is in you all the time? As we wrap up, I just want to take a minute and give you an opportunity to, to think. I put questions on your, on your outline. You can answer those now. You can answer those later. But in general, I just want you to think about this. What would it look like to stay in step with God's spirit today? What would it look like for you to stay in step with God's spirit today? Putting aside past biases or bad experiences or whatever, it doesn't have to look like anyone else. What does it look like for you? That if this God 
came in Jesus and he died and he resurrected and he sent his spirit back to live in you and ignite you for this life to be all that he created you to be. What does it look like to pay attention to that? To walk with him? To eliminate eliminate other distractions and barriers? To eliminate other pressures of feeling like you have to be or do a certain thing? What does it look like just to walk with him? To let him produce what he is desiring to produce through your life. God, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would give courage. I pray that you would allow us to sense your presence, your reality, your your nearness, the privilege that it is to be able to meet with you, to hear from you, to let you lead, to respond when you give us that little prompting or perhaps to do something that is a little bit crazy when you tell us to. Would you speak to us now?